someone might buy a horse that's really quiet and they've ridden it at the owner's place and for the other person who owned it, it was very quiet and did everything it asked. And then you bring it home and after, a, I don't know, a few weeks or a month or two, that horse starts to behave totally differently. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere, a place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone. And this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Anna Collis, from Harmony for Horses. Anna might be called a body worker, but she also supports the release of trauma and locked emotions from you and your horse through a type of therapy called the Emotion Code. By now, you'll all know why body work is so important. Anna and I speak in this episode about the types of very real traumas that most horses in the world have. Some of them may very well surprise you, and some of them may not, I'm sure. It's a great conversation to help you think a lot more from the horse's perspective on many things to do with emotions and trauma, as well as body work. We talk about how trauma gets trapped in the horse's body and how Anna is able to release it, with the horse's permission, of course. I hope you find this one interesting. I know I did. Here is Anna. Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Tracy. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. First, can you tell me a little bit about what it is you do? Uh, what I'm primarily focusing on at the moment is um, healing behavioural issues in horses that have been caused by previous trauma. Um, and I have been working as a body worker as well for quite some time. Yeah, so I kind of combine those two things in together now. And how did that all begin? How did you, were you a normal normal body worker for humans and then transitioned across to horses if you had horses tell us a bit about how you got to where you are now um well I sort of did start as a human body worker I started actually doing bone therapy back in about 2003 but it was always my main intention to treat horses mm -hmm. and I actually came across bone therapy at a um horse clinic so it was actually a lecture run by victoria ferguson the horse herbalist and i'd actually gone to listen to her about um, natural feeding for horses and healing for horses and in the afternoon they had bowen therapists there um, who were also doing bowen therapy for horses and i'd never heard of bowen therapy at that time um, but i got very interested i met a local lady and went down and started having treatments on myself. I took my kids and um, it just kind of went from there. I ended up training as a human therapist um, and they didn't actually have the bowen, I don't think, running that particular year. So it was always my intention to do the horses, but I never ended up doing the bowen. I ended up going up and doing um, Emmet later on. But I did all the training for the humans. I did some Emmet for humans at that time too. And Bowen um, itself, so I had Bowen many, many, many moons ago. <laughs> I fell off my bike in Melbourne and kind of ripped my shoulder to pieces. And um, what I loved about Bowen, and can you explain a bit more about what it is, was that she barely touched my shoulder. 
So what she yes. did was she worked on the rest of my body to help it all align and balance out so that the shoulder could heal itself. What's, is that the basis yes. behind Bowen? Yeah, so Bowen works a lot on the fascia um, and it also works vibrationally. Um, so um, the gentle moves that they're doing is setting off a healing response in the body, a bit like a ripple in the ocean. So that's why they do um, a lot of different moves throughout the body to balance everything and balance the nervous system to set your body up to heal itself. Fantastic. Yeah. And so that did, was my starting point. It did a great job on my shoulder, a really great job, and that was all I had. So, yeah. I Yeah, it's amazing therapy. Mm. Yeah, so that was my start. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had a little um, break there before I actually went in and did um, the horse therapy, and I started off doing Emmet and did acupuncture and sort of started from there. So tell us a bit more about Emmett and, and why so many different therapies, what they all mean to you and how they complement each other. Um, so the Emmett therapy when I did it at that time um, was a leg of Ross Emmett's therapy that was transferred to horses. Um, and I just found that to be a very good um, muscle release technique. So it just worked so well on releasing tension and pain in the body of horses. Um, so I just, I really loved that. I had some amazing results with it. Yeah. And yeah, so that's really good. But it, does it do similar to what Bowen does or is it more direct? So if you've got pain in the hamstring, you release the hamstring and it's done or is it still a whole body thing with Emmett? Um, it's more direct. Yeah. So you basically will be working more, um, on the areas of tension, like you would with massage because I do do human massage now as well, so I combine mm. all of that in. And so you are really working a bit more remedially on the areas that you target, yeah, to find the areas of issues and pain. And yeah, So that was kind of my starting point there. And then acupuncture. Tell yes, me a bit and more then I um, started studying acupuncture. Um, which is fascinating and so involved. Um, and I did that um, training to work with animals, like your own animals, and I incorporated it into my own practice. And that works on so many levels, like on all of your energy meridians. So you really are working energetically with horses. So um, if you were going to compare it to something, it would be a bit more probably like Bowen where um, you may not be working actually on the area that you find a problem um, you're basically working to balance the body itself um, and you can also target specific areas to heal pain as well doing musculoskeletal work as well and it works so well on so many different things like um, you can treat abscesses in horses uh, laminitis all those types of things which you may not do with your body work itself um, that you need something else to balance actually the system and that's where yeah. acupuncture comes in? Yeah, and that's where the acupuncture came in. Yeah, so yeah. So then I worked a few years doing the acupuncture and the bone because it was always, uh, sorry, the Emmet, um, it was always my intention initially when I started out to um, help horses to live a happier, um, a happier life and a more um, productive life. Um, so that was always my passion and where I started. Um, and as I went along the way, like I sort of started out thinking that 
um, a lot of problems that I saw in horses, you know, why they were being sold, the behaviour issues and why they went from home to home was because of pain or other problems that were causing the behaviour and the reasons why the people who were trying to ride them couldn't get on with them. So that was my idea was to help fix the problems that were causing the bucking and, um, you know, thinking it was all stemming from pain. So I did that for a few years. And did it After work? a few years. Um, to did some degree, yes, it did. <laughs> some mm. degree, yes, it did. I had loads of success, especially in the beginning. Like I just went out there and I just was so amazed by the results I was getting and um, success that I was feeling in the horses and the changes. But over the years as I went along, there was horses that kept coming up that I couldn't help with the bodywork. Um, so that I'd either go there and they didn't really want me to touch them or I'd go there and I'd heal what I found in the body, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually helping the problem that the owner had got me out there for. So it might've been a bucking problem or a taking off problem or, um, something behavioural that they were associating with pain, you know, girthiness, that type of thing that actually wasn't getting any better. Mm. Um, so I started to feel a little bit like I wasn't doing a good job. So I started to look for other reasons why these things weren't working for those horses, um, why it was too that sometimes a horse didn't actually want me to come into his space when I came. Um, and how would they show that? Was it obvious or was it a feeling you had? Um, it can be two different things. Like some of them will show you very obviously by trying to move away from you every time you go near them. Um, some of them would might try to tr um, kick out every time you went by their, near their hind. Um, obviously they're you know, trying to guard areas of pain. Some of them would just show their anxiety by... Um, um, like their bodies might be still, but they might be like gnawing on the head collar or things like that to show that they weren't actually totally comfortable with what I was doing. Mm. Um, yeah, but it was mainly sort of them not wanting me directly in the space, which is obviously hard as a body worker because you kind of need to be in their space touching their bodies. So, um, yeah, it was sort of hard to get around that. Like how do you go and help a horse that doesn't want you to be touching them really and um, did you really feel like they still wanted your help they were trying to tell you a different way or do you think they were saying i don't need help um i think in a way they sometimes saw me as just someone else who was coming into their space to come into their space and touch their bodies without their permission mm. so they didn't really see me as someone who was coming to help them I don't think I think they saw me as someone who was coming some just someone else who was going to be coming into their space doing something that they didn't really want yeah that's how I felt about it mm. um so it kind of made me a little bit um like I didn't know how to help those horses because they might have had body issues or real behavior those those horses were the ones that would have more behavioural type issues, anxiety mm -hmm. issues. Um, um, so they also were quite protective of their space. So, yeah, so it was those type of forces that kind of led me down a different path to still trying to look at how I could help them because they were the ones that were a little bit misunderstood and might get sold on and um, pass through homes a lot of times. Um, 
because of their behaviours. Yeah, um, and end up. And I felt like, a, and, yeah, and end up with the doggers, which was mm. why I started, you know, because I really wanted to help those horses. So I kind of felt like I was in a place where I wasn't doing what I set out to do. So I started looking down other paths. I'm a bit of a course junkie. So along my travels, um, just over the last couple of years, um, I was doing another therapy where I came across um, the Emotion Code book, um, which is by Dr. Bradley Nelson. Um, He's a chiropractor in America who um, created this modality. Um, And basically it uses muscle monitoring to, it's a human therapy, um, it uses muscle monitoring like kinesiology, applied kinesiology, to find um, trapped emotions from trauma, past trauma, um, that are stuck in the body that have been unable to be processed at the time um, and are now causing emotional and behavioural problems um, in the present. Um, So um, I read that book and I did a few case studies on horses to see how it would work for horses. And um, I was actually amazed by the results, how we could find particular traumas from a lot of common things at different ages and release them and the changes that it actually made in those horses. So um, I was fully addicted. Wow. So you were able to do that by touching the horse or by not touching the horse or by being present with the horse? How did you? um, You can. Well, I started out, I mean, you can do it in a couple of different ways. When I started out, I had no idea actually what I was doing or whether it was actually going to work. It sounded really quite a bit out there. Um, So I would do it by touching the horse. You can actually surrogate through the owner Mm -hmm. as well, Um, but I would do it by touching the horse, tuning in and surrogating through my own body. Once I've tuned in and asked permission, it's really important. Um, yeah, but you can now um, tune in. You can stand a little bit away from the horse and still surrogate. Yeah, if you get a horse that really doesn't want you in his face. Yeah. And have but you I, had a horse say no when you've asked for permission? Uh, not with this therapy, no. I mm. haven't actually. Um, I have found that when I actually tune in and ask the permission like that and um, let them know what I'm, what I'm doing, they actually become quite interested. Mm. Um, um, I will get a couple that won't actually open up to it, but there are those more horses that are a little bit shut down. But mostly horses are very interested and the um, reaction is actually very interesting, yeah. Yeah, they might lick and chew, look at you. Um, some of them try and take my book <laughs> out of my <laughs> hand. So, um, yeah, it's actually very much different response. Yeah, very interesting. And how do you, how do you and they let the trauma go? Um, so through the emotion code therapy, which I actually went on and became a practitioner of. Um, you traditionally use a, a magnetic therapy down the governing vessel meridian of the spine to release their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will also add body work in there and muscle tests to see if there's anything else that we need once we've done that. Yeah, but mostly, like when I did my case studies, all I did was um, find the emotion. We can find what it's come from, the age, and release it with the magnets. And it actually worked um, fantastically. So... Um, that's how I started doing it. And um, and mostly, depending on the horse, I will do that. Sometimes they might 
um, need a bit of something else, like an envi- something in their environment or um, some body work in an area where those emotions might be stored in the tissues. Um, yeah, but you can just release it with the magnets if needed. And can you, is there a horse that comes to mind that you can tell us a story of a before and after and how many sessions it took and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my first case studies actually um, always stands in my mind because um, this man, the the girl um, who let me treat her, she'd had her for two years. She was a chestnut thoroughbred mare um, that had been raced um, and had, I think, been sacked from the race course from being fractitious in the barriers. So she was highly anxious. She um, was a windsucker and a weaver. Um, she also didn't really like her body being touched. She was underweight, um, very hard to handle, hard to float, just everything you can imagine of a highly anxious thoroughbred mare. Mm. Um, she was only about, I can't remember, maybe under 10. I can't remember her exact age, actually. Um, but I just did um, two sessions on her, I think, and she became less anxious, easier to handle. Um, they could float load her. She became calmer, stopped weaving so much. And within a couple of months, like I didn't actually, after my couple of treatments, go back there for a couple of months and she virtually was unrecognisable. I actually have a couple of pictures of her on my website because she had just put on so much condition, which was one of the things that the owner was having so many problems with was um, getting her to gain weight. And over that two-year period, she hadn't been able to get her in good condition at all. So over that time, she had, um, yeah, just gained weight. She looked round and she just looked like a different horse, actually. So she always stands in my mind because she was one of the reasons that I actually went on and became a practitioner was because of the results with that horse. And how was she to work with? Um, to do this treatment. She yeah, was fine, when you did but the I, treatments with her, what was that like for her and she, for you? Um, she was actually very good. Like I tried to do body work. I think I'd done a couple of body work sessions on her previously and she was one of those horses that was very hard to do body work on because she was very anxious about me touching. Um, she was anxious about certain areas, like she was quite tight around her hind end, but she was very touchy about being touched there. She didn't like a lot of pressure. Um, and she was very unrelaxed, so she'd be moving around all the time, trying to get away, and um, so she was very hard to do body work on, but um, to do this treatment, because it's very non-invasive, really. Um, She she just stood there um, and let me tune into her and um, bring those things up for her um, and release it out the way. So, um, yeah, so it was very different. Yeah, and with amazing results too, like um, a lot of stuff that they have is related back to um, because she had that barrier problem too, being practitioners in the barriers, you can kind of relate it then to the float loading issue that she had later on. So to heal that just made her definitely more handleable for the owner and just calmer in herself. It's a big difference, isn't it, that you can make in a horse's life. It's wonderful. Oh, it's just been an amazing journey. And it goes to show that they really are, just like us, very holistic beings. Something that works for one doesn't work for another. You can feed them all the food in the world, but if there's something trapped inside there and it it runs 
Um, mm. They're highly anxious. That means they're sitting in their um, um, sympathetic nervous system, isn't it? Something like that? Absolutely. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So it's the anxiety um, and constant anxiety that um, just causes them to not be able to gain condition. It also seems to be a big cause of stomach ulcers, I found too. I found a lot of... Um, ulcers and um, separation anxiety those type of things all relating back to weaning mm. um, so around the ages of weaning um, I don't know being taken away I don't know the scenarios in every time but um, like incorrect weaning being taken off their mothers too early or just completely separated um, has caused this anxiety that just then seems to stay with them for such a long time like even throughout life so you'll get a horse with so much anxiety and um, and when we've traced it back, it's come from like around that six to twelve month age. Yeah, and it's not that hard to understand, really. I'm a parent, and yes. um, and I'm also a child. And if I was ripped away from my mother at an early yes. age with no explanation, nobody telling me anything other than you've got to go now, I that, that would absolutely be a major trauma spot in my life. Yes, absolutely. And it's been an eye opener for me as well. I, I just didn't really realize um how much horses took on until i started doing this really um and it is so similar to everything we experience and um i have looked into it a bit further and there has been a few studies to show that mammals across the board all experience similar emotions and similar trauma so there's no reason why our horses wouldn't experience the same um you know and the major things that I've come across in the short sort of time space that I've been doing it is um, separate, like um, weaning has been a big thing, uh, breaking in, like being sent off to the breakers and maybe traumatic training has been a massive one. Um, Which again, homes. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. and that I even um, I get a lot of, um, well, one of the emotions that actually was hard to deal with when I first started doing it was terror. Mm. There's a lot of horses across the board that, um, well, I shouldn't really say across the board, but I was coming against, up against it a lot that actually had trapped emotions of trauma, mm. which then went along with helplessness and um, obviously anxiety and things like that. So, and a lot of those things trace back to um, training, breaking in around those times. So that was a real eye-opener for me actually just to look at um, how, we're, how we're doing things sometimes with our horses that we don't realise sometimes how traumatic it is. Mm. Um, because even smaller things that like changing homes and um, leaving friends behind uh, also affect them. So mm, yeah. I had a horse yeah. who'd, who'd had that as an issue as well, one that I yeah. worked with many years ago. But also I remember now um, when you were talking about the horse that just couldn't put on weight and was yes. highly anxious, you think about it, and I remember Jane Roberts' interview a few weeks back and she was talking oh, yes. about as a nutritionist, equine nutritionist, how important the nervous system is in absorption Absolutely. of nutrients. Absolutely. The nervous system isn't in, is in play and it's not there ready to absorb and, and support that, then it's not going to happen. So it, it all just makes Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same for people. And I love Jane. We've actually chatted about it as well together. So I bet that was um, a long conversation. Yes. Like many long <laughs> conversations with Jane. <laughs> it's been a few conversations, yeah. She's um, full of information. 
yeah she's so knowledgeable um whereas because i kind of come from the field side of it and she's got so much knowledge to back all of that up so she's fantastic um but yeah it's so true and it's true for people as well you know the nervous system unless the nervous system um is in a state of um relaxation you just can't heal Mm. um because um and horses the same as us can get stuck in that fight and flight mode um and the horses that we see that are really shut down actually get stuck a little bit in the freeze mode, um, in that actual immobility mode. So um, there's so much to it. Um, mm. And yeah, that's, the a, nervous that's a tricky is a big one, thing. the freeze one. It's an interesting one because yes. I've got a little bit of trauma from my childhood and I notice when it's triggered, I have a moment and it's like nobody else would even notice it unless they were seriously trained and amazing, you know, observers. It's, it's like 0.3 of a second and I freeze and I, mm. I feel the freeze, but I have enough knowledge and understanding and ability and toolbox now that I'm able to go, it's okay. I know that that was a yeah. freeze and we don't yeah. need to freeze because I'm an adult and I'm safe and this isn't our story now. And so that's yeah. able to then shift through. But it's it, it, the freeze doesn't mean you are standing still for hours and can't move or anything mm. like that. It can just be a moment where the freeze goes in and something locks, tries to lock into your nervous system then. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and there's been um, um, actually Sarah Schlote, you know, from Equisoma, she's got so much information and she is coming to um, the Gold Coast in August, which is fantastic. She is on um, my list. I, oh, I'm she's amazing. Messaging her soon. <laughs> yeah, she is amazing. And she talks a lot about trauma as well. And because um, she comes at it as well from a scientific um, viewpoint and um, bringing all that somatic work from Peter Levine in and um, the thawing out theory um, into our horses. Um, because when Peter Levine did his work um, on somatic experiencing, he actually studied animals and how they reacted in the wild. And he observed that um, animals will go into that fight and flight response, but when there's no chance of them getting away, they will freeze and go into that immobility. But if that lion, whoever it was that was chasing them, was to go away, um, they would then thaw out of that. Um, immobility come back to life but their nervous system would need to get rid of all of that energy from the fight and flight that they had previously so exactly yeah so he would shake shake and run and all that type of thing to get rid of it Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's what's happening like with us people but also with our horses when they're not given that opportunity when they go into that fight flight and freeze but they're not in a safe environment to then come out of that immobility that's when they get stuck with that trauma inside of their bodies and that nervous system stuff still triggering around in there so um some of those quietest horses might suddenly have those little snaps where they spook or something happens out of nowhere um, because they still have all of that energy going around um and it's also why sometimes um and you probably hear about it a fair bit where someone might buy a horse that's really quiet and they've ridden it at the owner's place and for the other person who owned it, it was very quiet and did everything it asked. And then you bring it home and after, a, I don't know, a few weeks or a month or two, that horse starts to behave totally differently and it's just not the quiet horse that you thought it was and it's displaying behaviours that 
um, really a bit of an issue to you. And it can be that that horse now previously was in an um, environment where it didn't feel 100% safe to release what was going on for it. And you bring it into a, an environment that's um, a bit safer, it's got a bit more freedom, um, it's got a bit more comfort, maybe there's more horses around or there's not as much asked of it, it will start to try and release those energies that it couldn't release before. Mm. from that previous trauma so and also um, the day-to-day as well in just last week's episode Rachel Bedingfield spoke about this you won't have heard this yet Anna because we're pre-recording so she's coming up and she's she's got the science behind it as well as to why positive reinforcement training is so 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 important because absolutely how many times when we're not using um, liberty and positive re- reinforcement are we containing once the horse mm. goes into fight, flight, freeze, how many times are we containing and not allowing the defrost, mm. like Levine's talking about, the shake, the yeah. run, the escape, the let's yeah. blow this off, bring our nervous yeah. systems back to normal and keep going. So even right. people who love their horses and think they're doing everything correctly can actually be triggering that response and trapping trauma in their horse every day without knowing it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's why I love your podcast, Tracy, too, because everyone who has a horse loves their horse, but it's just about bringing a different awareness into what we're doing with them every day, like to be able to look at it from a different angle. Yeah, and um, understanding and gaining knowledge and just it blows yeah. my mind how ignorant I was. I wasn't, um, oh before I started this podcast, I wasn't um, uneducated. I wasn't unknowledgeable. I was ignorant because where on earth can you find this stuff? And now starting the podcast, yeah. all of this yeah. information is coming through and we're creating this community. And the amount of people who have got similar stories, doing things in slightly different ways, but having similar stories and similar things that we all need to do at certain times, as in treat a horse as a whole system and a whole person, um, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. So, yes, I do get some... um, emails and messages sometimes of people feeling bad about how it is they've treated their horses in the past i'm like let it go because oh absolutely because you know we've we've all all come from that place absolutely absolutely and you don't get to like unless you've been in that place you don't get to a different place because sometimes you have to be doing things wrong and getting a strange response to actually start to look at why is this going wrong? Like, exactly. you know, what's going on here and what can I do better for my horse? Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, yeah, and, um, and it's great to listen to your podcast too of what's happening around the world because I know um, for myself I felt a little bit lost in the ocean um, when I started looking at the emotions because... Um, I was so focused on looking at the physical before, um, which I always had been, you know, looking at the feeding requirements and the body and the feet and how it all works, which is really, really important. But what I was missing always was um, the emotions and the feelings and how what we were doing, you know, how it affected the horse, um, how our own energy affects the horse. 
um, and all of those types of things, mm. um, which just brings a whole new aspect into what you're doing. Yeah, which is a great segue into my next question, which is, so we're looking at the horse and just the horse holistically. How mm. much does what's going on emotionally for the owner have some kind of effect on the horse? It has a big effect on the horse. And is um, that just in training or just the fact that we're connected because we have that dependency because they depend on us for their food and, and well-being? Um, a lot of it, I think. So um, they will connect into our energy when we're in that. Like because we're all part of a resonance, especially if your horses live with you on your property, Mm. I think they get a feel of what's going on with you personally and especially if you come out into their space and um, horses have a big bubble as well, I've come to realise, around them energetically. Um, and when we come into that space, they can feel what's going on to us from, I don't know, 60 feet away or 60 yards or whatever away. Um, so how we are does affect how they react to us as well. So sometimes we might be thinking, what's wrong with my horse? Like he seems really angry today or he doesn't want to do anything with me or he's running away from me. Well, sometimes it's good to take a step back and actually feel into yourself as to how you're feeling um, and whether it's actually some of him reacting against you, your horse reacting against you. Mm. Yeah, so that's quite a big thing. But it's there's so many things like so many parts of it, like if you've got a horse that is new to you and you've just got that horse, um, it won't be so connected to you. So what will be healing is that horse's own trauma. But sometimes I have come across horses that just by releasing their, tra their trauma doesn't always fix what's going on energetically between the horse and the owner because there'll be something else going on between their own energetic um, you know, what's energetically going on with the owner and what the horse is bouncing back off to the owner. So our horses can be great teachers for us as to what's going on with our own selves, really, and to take a look at our, how we're managing our own energy. And yeah. do you work with both horse and human? Is there a time where you've had to work on mm -hmm. both to get a result? Um, yes, and I do do both. Um, I am a human therapist. So my, um, well, the emotion code is human therapy. And I am also a human remedial massage therapist and a Reiki practitioner. So I do um, work on the owners as well as the, as the horses, um, which is fantastic because you do sometimes find as well that vibrationally, um, and it's actually really interesting, is that, if you have, are carrying around some old trauma from the past, you might vibrationally attract in a horse or even a dog or a cat that's on a similar vibration to you. So you might have a very fearful horse, but you're also working on that vibration of fear. Um, so you have attracted each other in. So sometimes it's a great um, catalyst to um, heal, heal yourself as well. And can you think of a story? of somebody that you've worked with like that, that they've been able to let everything go when you've worked with both the horse and the human? Um, yeah, so I did have a situation where um, there was a horse I was treating and 
when I had treated it, the behaviours still weren't. Um, it, it had, like, I'd known the horse previously as well with a previous owner and had gone to a new home, and its behaviours were different um, to how it was previously. And, um, and I did some work with the horse, but it sort of didn't fix what was going on. So I kind of had to look in deeper then, and we um, actually did some work with the owner as well, and, um, and that helped to heal the relationship a bit better. Um, for the horse and rider, yeah, because sometimes it's what the some of the owner's own anxiety was triggering stuff in the horse. So it was like, um, like if you're an anxious person trying to look to another anxious person to make you feel better, it's not. It's just heightening the situation. So yeah, yeah. So being able to heal both of that and um, give some ideas on how to stay grounded um, is really helpful. Mm. Yeah. And I'd l- like to go through all those major trauma points for horses as well, mm. simply because I don't know many horses on the planet that mm. wouldn't have gone through some of these, not just one, but probably oh, absolutely. Some. So weaning yeah. is one of them, being weaned too yeah. early, taken straight away from the mother, all yeah. of a sudden abandonment issues that would cause yeah. high anxiety. Yeah, anxiety is a big one. Um, so the separate, um, the weaning is big. Um, a lot of stuff comes up from around two and three years old, which um, a lot of it's breaking in, I would say. So introduction to training, mm-hmm. um, introduction to float loading, all of those type of things where um, I don't know, there's a lot of um, fear and um, terror around those ages that um, aren't able to be processed. So that's a big one, um, breaking in. Um, and then another thing is um, and is it falls. just is it just breaking in? Let's stay with that for a second, or is it being taken away to the breakers as well? I think it's to do with that. In, in a lot of cases, um, when I'm treating a horse, we don't know exactly because that horse might have come to that owner having four other homes previously. So yeah. we actually don't know exactly how that horse was trained or broken in at that time. But because of the ages, we can pretty much, and also from horses that we do know the history of what happened at that time, um, it is two things. It's being sent to the breakers, to people that they don't know, and then obviously the training has not been suitable for them at that time as well. Yeah. Yeah, So two things. So I think horses that are trained at home by people that they know definitely don't have the same type of thing happening. Mm. Um, just from what I've done in that couple of years that I've been looking into it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a really big one. Um, Also moving homes is a big one too, Um, like changing homes, leaving paddock mates behind is another one. Um, Mares you've lost foals also I found out a few times. Um, But they would be the major things that I would Mm. see. Obviously once they've been to the slaughterhouse as well, like to the doggers and um, be rehomed, they have a lot of stuff around that as well. Because Um, they know what's going on. Oh, the energy of it and seeing horses taken away just, yeah. you can't. I mean, they're such energetic beings, horses, because they, you know, that's how they communicate through energy and body language and, tuning in to what's going on, um, that's their skills as a prey animal that energetically they will always know what's going on around them in those situations. So um, that's a really big one. So anyone that's had a horse that's come from the dollars, I would suggest looking at um, some trauma work for them. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. 
And so that would be the biggest things. Yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, um, I always like to kind of put things in a very simple perspective. It's like when um, Mamma Mia put out the, we've just had International Women's Day here for in Australia, International Women's Day. It's international, Tracy, come on. <laughs> and, um, and Mamma Mia in Australia put out a video and it actually it was a man um, getting acting as a woman for the day. So he was talking about how it takes him an hour to get ready and it started very light and funny and then it got to the end where he's like, you know, this is how many people and I'm very scared to walk home by myself and it got very real. So I really yes. like to to take it out of horse terms because when we're thinking about horses, mm-hmm. it's easy to think about, well, they move homes and that's just how it happens, etc., etc. Yes. However, if that was us or our children and mm-hmm. we'd had five different homes before we mm-hmm. were the age of 12, yeah. How would we I, be? Um, I do actually, and I have thought about it before as equating it to sort of foster children. Yeah. And the, um, and the problems that they have like through adult life um, because of the, um, just abandonment issues really from their parents and um, being passed from home to home. Um, it's very similar. Like I've just found it's very similar. Yeah. yeah. And, and probably not- for all mammals, you know. Yeah dogs and cats it's probably across the board so we just sort of need to think about horses in those terms as well yeah and it's not um it's not that you shouldn't move horses on i'm not sitting here on no. a high horse i've moved horses oh, no. on previously absolutely but it's our duty of care to these horses to make mm. sure you know we really absolutely. can't just put a horse up for sale somebody comes and off the horse goes we need to do our due diligence we need Absolutely. to know where that horse is going to. We need to keep an eye on it. We need to put in a contract somewhere that we need to check on it within a few months' time and just really con- continuance of care so that we know we're doing our part in making Absolutely. As, as to what's happened next. So once again, not a, every horse has to be for life. I know a lot of people say that, but it's not always possible. No, um, and sometimes it's also in the horse's best interests to move homes. Yes. That's also the case sometimes, you know. So it's not, you know, just that we should never sell horses. That's not the case. But it's just um, I think just having a little bit more awareness of how it could affect the horse. Yeah, and being um, conscious and, of, okay, this horse is in a new home. It's coming in and it's going to be yes. quite anxious when it gets here. What can I do yes. to help the horse be settled? That's right. And we give it a beautiful home. And again, like foster kids, they're like, damn it, here we go again. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? What am I walking into? I just don't know. So these things that we just, if we're conscious and aware of these things, then we'll treat the horse a little bit differently than when it comes off the float and has a really difficult first few days and is quite aggressive or something. You can go, it's all right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. They need to have a settling in period and we just need to be aware. And I think a lot of people are aware of that now, but just to give them some space, time to settle in, you know, get to know your other horses and, and you, because obviously you would love that horse, that's why you bought it, but that horse doesn't know you. So um, we need to have some time there to build up a relationship before we can really have too many expectations on the horse itself, like what we want from it. <laughs> yeah. So if there's one thing for everyone listening that we really should know about horses other than everything we've talked about, is there anything else you think we really need to know from your experience? Um, No, I think just um, possibly managing our own energy is really important. Like if someone can take away 
something that would help them in everyday life with their horse, it would be to be grounded, maybe do some grounding exercises um, or anything, a little walk or something that might be a little bit meditative for you so that when you go out into your horse's space, um, you are not bringing your stresses of the day in there with you. And I think that will help you and your horse's relationship a lot and something that you can do every day. That doesn't take too long. It's not like you have to sit and do alms for an hour before approaching your horse, but it's even just about becoming really present, isn't it? Yeah, just being present and also just being conscious. Yeah. Yeah. My um my man and our eldest daughter were having a conversation yesterday about how time is flying. You know, it was like yeah. today I was over here and I was like, so I have a theory that I've read about and I, I said, I didn't think of this, but I do believe in this, that is time flying or are we keeping ourselves so distracted that we're just not conscious of time anymore? I said, the days where I feel like I've had a full day and I've had the full six hours while the kids are at school and I've got a lot done at the days where I'm present. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's got to do with being so busy, hasn't it? I think when we're just constantly busy, everything just, it just goes so fast time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're not present and we take that into our horses who are completely sentient vibrational beings and we wonder why they're so anxious and jumpy and and yes. not wanting to work today. They're like, oh, my God, get this out of here. I live in the now. I live in yeah, this moment. That's and right. nowhere yeah. close to it. How on earth do I trust you? And, and you're going to yes, get on absolutely. my back and tell me what to do? Yeah, absolutely. That's so important, I think, yeah, that we're just so conscious of that, that our horses are really um, aware of how we're feeling. Yeah. yeah, so if we can come back into the now and just ground before we go out there, it's huge. Yeah, big difference. See a big difference in your horse. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also being congruent as well. Like if you're actually having a bad day, and you actually are a little bit angry or something bad's happened, if you go out into the paddock with your horse and just say, "I'm a bit angry today," or "I'm a bit sad," or you know, "This is what's going on with me," your horse will accept that. It's when you're angry and you try and hide that. Um, behind being happy <laughs> that's when your horses are a little bit suspicious of you and they don't want to be around you because they can feel something's going on with you and you're trying to hide that behind another emotion um yeah. and horses as a prey animal um will um, automatically want to know what's going on there because something doesn't feel right so um i think that's also important too just to be aware of how we're feeling and if we're not feeling good just to you know, be aware, I'm not feeling good today. You can say to your horse, I'm not feeling that good today, and they'll be okay with that. Yeah, congruence is a word that is used so much now, especially in the therapy fields, and it's something that um, yes. is the reason equine therapy works so well is because all they're asking absolutely. for is congruence and it aligns everything, so it's a really important one. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Mm. And horses are really good at showing us um, what's going on with us in that situation and that's why they're so good at applying therapy I think yeah and um, why so many people say you know the, the horses are such great therapy for them but it's also yes. being about being aware and not dumping everything on your horses as well so taking responsibility for Absolutely. your part in the healing process instead of kind of just pouring it all into them because they they will take and it does Absolutely. affect them 
Yes, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, what's happening with us? And I actually kind of watch it some myself in my own herd, you know, as to what's going on with them. And sometimes I take a step back and go, well, what's going on with me right now? Like, you know, am I energetically affecting what's going on in my own um, little group of horses? So um, it's a bit of an eye-opener sometimes as well as to um, be quite conscious of not just your energy but your thoughts and what you're putting out there into the world, you know? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I just keep thinking about my own horses and, and the, the little injuries that I have and then the little injuries that they get and, and yes. it never escapes me um, as to my part in it yeah. as well and, and yes. how connected we are in all of this. And it's, um, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful. Now, you also do distance work in this that you do. Can you explain that a little yes. bit and how it works? Um, yes. So um, for the emotion code, you can do it by distance. So you would just need either, um, I can do it off the photo actually, um, where I just need a little bit of information and a photo as to what the issue is and you can tune at a distance, the same as you can with Reiki or anything else um, and get a reading and um, a healing from a distance. And how much information do you need? Is it just a, there's a problem that's presenting or is it just? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, basically the problem that's presenting. So I can really just ask questions about that um, problem, where it would be coming from, um, and look at it in that way. Mm. Yeah, so I don't really need any more information than that. Probably the horse's age um, would also be of use, like just the age and the, pre the presenting problem. Yeah, and I can do it from a distance. So it can basically be done from anywhere in the world, which is fantastic. Yeah, it really is. It really is, especially with um, the amount of trauma that's going on around the world at the moment, especially in Australia, yes. with um, just events like bushfires down in Victoria yes. and floods in North Queensland and drought in most of Australia. So that's then, right. Yeah, yeah, there'd have yeah. to be a lot of trauma out there. So these are all things that we just Absolutely. need to be aware of. Be aware yes, of. definitely. Yeah, and it's bringing awareness and just changing how we think about things and um, what might actually be happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just changing our mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because horses are very stoic as well because they are prey animals. So they won't yes. show you very readily what it is that's going on unless you get the really um, wonderfully expressive no horses, which are the fantastic yes. ones that change people's <laughs> lives quite immediately because they say I'm not yes. anything until you change. And Absolutely. They're yeah. fantastic horses, those ones, but there are so many out there that you actually think are fantastically quiet and, um, you know, relaxed horses, but they're really not. They're the mm. ones who are just not showing you anything. Yeah. Um, so they are much harder to pick. Um, and it doesn't mean that they don't have anything going on in their body. They're probably the last ones as well to show you um, that they've got any pain in their body as well. So that's why even having regular body work checkups is fantastic for horses um, because they are that um, a prey animal. They really won't show you some of them until they're really in a bad state um, mm. of pain where it's actually going to take a little bit and quite a number of treatments to actually rectify. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so they don't always show you. Wonderful. Oh, there's so much great information in there. Can you tell us how we can find you, Anna? Um, I've got a website. It's www.harmonyforhorses.com. 
and I also am on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page uh, for horses, which is uh, Holistic Harmony, Healing for Horses and Their Owners. Um, I am on Instagram as well on Harmony for Harmony for Horses. I don't have a whole lot of stuff on there yet. I'm just trying to get Instagram savvy. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's the main places that you'll find me. I do have a human therapy page as well, which is Anna's Holistic Harmony. So you'll see a list of all my human treatments on there. Um, but, yeah, for the horses, that's my main thing, the website and the Facebook page. Wonderful. And I'll definitely put all the links in the show notes. And I just have one more question for you. So in your experience sure. of horses, yes, why do you think they're here? Um, wow, that's a big question. So I know. I well, love this yeah, question. Yeah, I know. Well, horses, they yeah, definitely are teachers. Absolutely. Um, I even have one horse which I feel has been a guide. And um, I don't know. I think that they really are teaching us a lot of the time. Like I know they use horses for healing, but we can get so much from horses. They're really showing us a way for us to heal ourselves, how to balance our own energy, um, you know, and how to go out into the world in a better place to be more present. Um, and we can take all of that from horses if we really um, delve into it and it can be life-changing for us. So they are huge teachers and really they've been my life guides. I've just, you know, learned so much from them over the years. Mm. And if you think about if that does happen, you know, if we do treat our horses as teachers and we do learn to be present and yeah. uh, imagine what kind of a world it would be and not just yeah. us, you know, for horses yeah. as well. I think about all those horses out there doing extraordinary things mm. for humans already and those humans aren't conscious of a few mm. of the things that we speak about on this podcast. It's like imagine yes. what those, that horse-human relationship could do if they did yes. have conscious Absolutely. things we speak about. Yeah. It's like, God, we're, Absolutely. we're not there yet. Like we're scratching the surface. And, we really um, are. Mm. And I think that um, there is a, quite a few people out there now that are sort of wanting to bring to light the qualities of horses you know, as healers and teachers so that we're not just thinking of them as riding animals. And, um, they're wow. sort of going beyond wow. that. Yes, I can hear him in the background there. <laughs> That's my horse. Yeah. Oh, she concurs. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and also um, not even just as teachers and healers but as collaborators. Yes. They're happy for us to have a say as well. They think we're yes, absolutely. They have to have partnered yeah. with us for a reason. They must see something in us to have waited yeah. this long. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they're waiting to collaborate as well. Yeah, and they sort of have like if you look through the ages, they have been our partners through the ages, but the partnership has always changed, and it's mm. changing again now to something else. Like you know, they've taken us into war, and they've helped us with transport, and they've always been there, sort of as a you know, as a partner to help us through life. And now that's changing into something else. Yeah. Yeah. We really are waking up as a planet. Yes. Absolutely. Ah, it's, it's exciting. Wonderful. It is. It is. It gives me goosebumps every time I, I think about it. Really, It's just magical. And um, so, Anna, thank you so much for your time today. But more so, thank you for everything you're doing for horses and bringing consciousness to the horse world. It's amazing what you do. And I know a lot of the horses will 
breathe a sigh of relief when they know that uh, you're out there doing the work you do. Thanks, Tracy, and thanks so much for having me today. I've loved having a chat. It's been amazing. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. To connect with Anna, simply follow the links in the show notes. I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.